That is uh, our my bad rendition of the the St. Louis blues music, uh, and it's very fitting for a St. Louis blues theme podcast. And we have with us we have the great Stephen Walden, who has uh, been painting a lot of blues players during this playoff run, and we also have uh, my good friend Jimmy Mano, whose family is just a quintessential blues family. So we're going to bring Jimmy in. We have him on the telephone here or via via Google Hangouts. Jimmy, you there? I am here, gentlemen. How are you today? Oh, doing wonderful, doing wonderful. And uh, not as good as the blues, though. I mean, wow. I mean, it's uh, – I've been saying, uh, you know, joking around, and it's, um, you know, t- calling them the Cubs of hockey, which – as Cubs fans, never you know the Cubs never win, but the fans are are very invested, and no matter what the team does, are always with them. So, hopefully, we can shed that moniker, the Cubs of hockey. But it's an affectionate term. What, uh, how you guys feel about this current run of the Blues? Is that we haven't seen the third round in I think it what fifteen years, Jimmy? Fifteen years, and it was fifteen years prior to that the last time they had made it to this round. So it seems like uh, we're good for the conference finals about every 15 years, but I think uh, this is going to be the uh, instance that we make our, uh, our big uh, return to the Stanley cup finals for the first time since 1970. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And this is a lot of people that uh, everyone in St. Louis knows that the, the know, you know, a lot of people know and love the blues um, of course, with the recent departure of the Rams, it's a lot of people say that it's one of these things that it's very important that the Blues do something. It's like the the civic pride, the pride we have in our city. Just you know, let us feel good about ourselves again. And Stephen, being Jimmy, I don't know if you know, he's uh, he just recently graduated, or was last year with his degree in therapy, and uh, but he found art before he could really utilize that so he may have some what, what do you think what's what's your view on the blues winning and how that on helps the, our psyche the, the psychological aspect of healing in the city of st louis i think it's 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 pretty huge you know we've had some black eyes recently on the national scene with ferguson and then to a you know much less serious extent but still one that's that's been felt pretty deeply is you know the rams leaving and so yeah i think that the blues run right now it's been tremendously healing and even knocking out the Blackhawks in the first round and, and getting the monkey off the back from the first round. I've had a number of uh, longtime uh, blues fans and I'm, I'm new to, uh, to blues fandom, uh, but very passionate about it. But, um, but a number of uh, long timers who've told me that, you know, beating the blues, uh, beating the Blackhawks and getting out of that first round, that that was, you know, to them, that was their Stanley cup victory in many ways. I got to agree with Steven there. Um, you know, that was, we, we've had, <laughs> we've had a hard run already this postseason. I mean, when you draw the reigning Stanley cup champions, the Blackhawks, uh, as your first round of opponent, and then the top point getter in the conference and the Dallas stars in the second round, I mean, we've had our, our work cut out for us, but, but like Steven said, the Blackhawks being such a fierce rival of ours and, knowing that in order just to make it out of the first round, something we haven't been able to do for a number of years, we'd have to beat those guys. It was just so satisfying um, 
for the city. I know, you know, we were talking about my family. My family, when we won that game, ran outside. It was, I don't remember what time it was, but it was fairly late. Kids hopped in the van, in the driveway, started blaring on the car horn. <laughs> screaming and and you know people the neighbors are asleep and stuff i'm sure but uh we didn't care because it's that big of a deal to our family it's that big of a deal to so many other diehard and even bandwagon sort of blues fans but but like you guys are saying it's so great for the entire city um you know sports is therapeutic you know and it, it does help you kind of uh escape some of the the real world struggles that we see but this this city has had a, a rough few years you know and so to have some success like this something we can all rally behind i think is just tremendous when you say therapeutic although i saw kelly post something on facebook the other night where she was looking for a fitbit because she wanted to monitor her heart rate because she didn't know if she could take it so i guess therapeutic in some senses but then in in a game seven like that i, I get it <laughs> Well, and you know, Ken, I'm not I'm not a huge drinker most of the time, but I tend to consume a lot of alcohol during blues games because I I do have to kind of uh, self medicate just a little bit in order to handle the anxiety that's going on because I take it very very seriously. Yeah, definitely. And when we look at just how serious your family takes the blues. Uh, one thing that the listeners may not know, or, or they may know, they've seen this on Sports Center and all over the internet. When when the Blues traded T.J. Oshie, and when Libby Lou had that uh, had that little bit of a meltdown because her favorite player was being traded, and, and the Manos were up there in the forefront. So that that really illustrates how how much hockey and St. Louis Blues hockey and these players mean to your family. Um, oh yeah, and, and I would say little bit. Little bit is a tremendous understatement. A little bit of a meltdown. It was, that was an epic meltdown for the ages. But uh, <laughs> but I I agree, and I'll tell you what. And uh, so Stephen, now you've had an opportunity to meet some of the Blues players with your paintings, right? Yeah, actually, uh, earlier this year, the Blues they put on a, a yearly uh, fundraising event for their Blues for Kids. Uh, uh, charity arm and it was really great meeting them and being able to talk with them and they're just they're so humble and they're so uh, grateful and uh, just really really uh, good guys that I was able to to meet and talk with yeah you know and that was kind of the point I was going to make and what you said kind of goes along with that hockey players um, even more so than than other athletes and I've met plenty of great athletes but hockey players are the most down to earth I would say and so um that whole experience with my daughter and, and TJ Oshie, and, and that's kind of, uh, you know, spiraled into a cool little connection there. And then we had some episodes with our pet pig that uh, we could chat about. But, I mean, these players, they're, they're just kind of like regular people. They just happen to be elite, you know, world-class athletes. But otherwise, um, they just, when you meet them, you just feel like, you know, they're as interested in communicating with you as you are with them. And it's, it's a very cool thing. And I think it's easy for, for, you know, hockey or sports fans in general to kind of see that about hockey players and want to root a little extra hard for them. Cause they could tell it's just a bunch of really good guys. Maybe it's because they're mostly Canadian and they're just so overcome with politeness. <laughs> that could be, <laughs> you might be onto something there. And it's very blue collar. That that's one thing I think hockey players are just have that blue collar mentality. So they're 
very much, you know, guys that are working hard. And it's it, it seems like it's just a different vibe for a hockey player versus a, another sports player. I'll tell you what, I think you're right. And I think um, what you hear over and over from all of these guys is the stories of, like, the dedication of their parents when they were little kids having to get up, get them to the rink at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, these crazy times. Um, and it kind of instills, I think, a certain sort of ethic in, in these players as they're growing up when they see the sacrifices that their parents make to allow them to play, especially when you get it to, to that level, because what you what you have to do as a parent to support that, it, it's not a cheap sport. You know, my kids play hockey, and, and I play hockey. It, it's not cheap. It's very expensive, and the, the – Practice times are awful, and there's a lot of travel involved. And a lot of these players, by the time they make juniors, um, especially in, in Canada and in certain parts of the United States, they're moving out of their house when they're you know, 14, 15 years old and living with a host family uh, at their junior team. And so it, it's just a different dynamic to those players, I think your typical baseball or football player. And I think it just kind of carries over into adulthood, and they turn into very – respectful, you know, um, genuine, uh, guys. You know, that's a really interesting point, uh, Jimmy, in that I grew up in the, the deep South and, and I grew up in, uh, in Arkansas and the, the mid seventies, uh, throughout the eighties. And, you know, the thing that I tell people there is that we don't really have hockey in Arkansas, you know, because we do, but it's just called swimming because, you know, it doesn't, there's, there's nothing, it doesn't melt, you know, we get snow, everything shuts down. Um, but it's the same thing. It's not like where you can pick up, I think basketball or baseball, you know, maybe later in life, whereas hockey, I think that it, it seems to be so much more demanding. Um, recently I was talking about it with someone, there's a combination of elegance and savagery with it. I mean, there's, there's uh, ice skating, but then there's also, you're beating the crap out of each other at the same time. And that seems to me that's something that you kind of have to get on board earlier with in order to be able to, to be good at it at a level that you can be a professional someday. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the impression that I get from it. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, what people don't give enough credit for, or maybe maybe certain people do, but not everybody, is when you're watching a hockey game just as a spectator and you're watching these passes happen and you're like, oh, that's a great pass, that's a great shot. Uh, everyone tends to forget that these guys aren't doing this on foot. They're skating, and that, in essence, is – I mean, that, that's really difficult to do. So it would be hard enough to do all this stuff on, on foot, but to have to skate, change directions. When you're stopping on a dime and going back the other direction, um, doing your crossovers and doing all this back and forth stuff, it is terribly, terribly physically demanding. And I, um, so I think with, with skating, you almost have to start at a really young age in order to stay competitive um, if, if you ever wanted to make a run at it professionally or, or even in, at a high-level amateur. Uh, my kids were on skates at age three, you know, and it would be really hard for someone my son's age who's 11 to start skating now and be able to to play at his level anytime in the next couple of years because it takes years to be able to skate at that level. And I think people kind of overlook that when they're watching. They, they just forget. But, I mean, that, that's hard to do. I think that's probably been a barrier for hockey in terms of growing the sport is that if you don't have that buy-in at that early age, then you're going to have latecomers that come on, but it's, it's not the same as being 
raised in that environment. So it's like, I'm, I'm kind of like a born again hockey fan in a way. <laughs> and then I've come to a later yeah. and I'm picking up, you know, the nuances and the strategy and, and these other things and, you know, uh, player substitutions and lineups and, and things like that. And that, uh, as opposed to like a basketball, it's it's a really cheap and easy sport to play. It's like you got a, a ball and a hoop, you know, and you've got shoes, you're good to go. Um, you know, exactly. football is a level up from that in baseball. You know, there's another, you know, there's equipment with that, but still with the, uh, a ball and a stick, you can still play. Um, and there's just a, a different barrier uh, with hockey. And I think that's probably why there's a different uh, fan adoption rate uh, than with other sports. And that's and that's one no. thing, Jimmy. Did you see the uh, the news of the Chesterfield, the, the Hardy's Ice Complex? It's they're going to make it a golf complex, and then we're going to lose three sheets of ice. Have Have you heard about that thus far? Oh yeah! I, not only have I heard about it, but I was at another ice rink this morning because even in the spring and summer, my kid stays on the ice once a week um, playing hockey. Otherwise, he'd fall way behind come fall. Um, so I was at an ice rink this morning, and I was talking to a couple of the the leaders of our particular um, hockey club, our hockey organization, Twin Bridges, and I was asking them, I said, what is going to happen when Hardy's Iceplex closes next spring, spring of 2017, and there is a full year before this new facility that's slated to open in Chesterfield is going to open? Uh, because the Hardy's Iceplex hosts the Chesterfield Falcons, the AAA Blues, countless tournaments every year, um, not to mention figure skating, all, all this other stuff. And I have no idea what is going to happen between spring of 16 and I guess, I'm sorry, spring of 17 and uh, the fall of 18 or whenever that next rink is slated to open. And there's already a shortage of ice. You know, there was a big, uh, a beautiful ice facility in Fairview Heights that had to close down a few years ago due to uh, – uh, some faulty foundation and, and that, uh, that hockey organization there was displaced for a few years. And, um, it, it's really hard, um, to find ice time. That's why, that's why folks have to do these five o'clock practices in the morning because there's just not enough ice around to have reasonable times for everybody. Yeah. And that makes it tough with, with everything that you've said about the development, just missing a year or not getting that ice time. It's yeah, that could be, that could be kind of tough. When we look at, I mean, I don't know how many NHLers are are from the St. Louis area besides Paul Stasny, who probably skated on that ice many times, and now he's this elite player who is on the run for the, the Stanley Cup. So, it, yeah, it would be a shame to lose those opportunities and, and lose some of that development. Yeah, and they'll they'll end up going somewhere, but it's just not going to be. It's going to be very stressful. Um, you know, one of the theories that was floated my way today is, well, the Chesterfield clubs are already perhaps reaching out to the mills to see if if uh, if they can accommodate them at the mills. But the mills is already booked because the Blues practice there, Twin Bridges club practice there. A number of teams are already there, so it's. It's just uh, it's going to be a stressful year when that happens, um, but you know I'm sure we'll come up with something. There's other rinks that are kind of on the fringe of the area. People are just going to have to drive farther, I think, and you're going to find more people having to go to the outdoor rinks. You know, we still we still play outdoor hockey at the rinks at Granite City and 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 Florissant even, um, which you know doesn't happen as often. But I think you're going to have to see us you know relying on those rinks a little bit more in that interim. 
Well, yeah, something, and it's just, and it just shows the popularity of of ice hockey these in these this day and age, which is really cool. Um, going back to the TJ Oshie trade, which was yeah, which was tragic for your family, but it, it turned out to be a good thing. What? Uh, how do you feel about the play of Troy Brower? I mean, I think he's a type of player that they really needed, and I think he's been a difference maker in this in this playoff run. You know what? I gotta say. That was a trade that was truly in the benefit of all involved. Um, and as massive of fans of TJ Oshie as my family was, he is in a better place for him, for the style of hockey that he plays, playing along with Ovechkin. Um, that coach over there has got a whole other, you know, sort of system that more, it's more accommodating to someone in TJ's skill set. In return, we get Troy Brower, who, he is right now delivering precisely what we got him for, which was this tenacity in the playoffs. I mean, he is the guy who shows up in the playoffs and he turns it up to 10. The guy was solid all year, but what you're getting out of him in the playoffs now is Troy Brower at another level. When you see him parked out right in front of the net, banging in these dirty goals, they're ugly. Every one of these goals he's getting, they're, they're ugly goals. But, but that's the thing. It takes a certain type of player. And, and Bacchus is another one. That's why Bacchus is having a stellar postseason, too, where you park it right there in the crease, get right in that goalie's grill, and you just pick up the trash. And when, when there's a rebound, when there's, you know, something like that, right there at the doorstep, you bang it home. And, and now that's not all that Brower offers. I mean, his, his line, he's been playing with Fabry and, and Stassi, and they are looking like a zillion bucks. So, <laughs> Uh, but it's all coming together at the right time, and, and I do think that that was a great trade for both teams, but right now it's really benefiting us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Stephen is recently one of the paintings, and the audience is familiar with Stephen. This is his third time on the <laughs> podcast, which it, thank you. And uh, Stephen's been painting uh, a lot of the players, and one of the ones, one of his stellar renderings is Troy Brower. Yeah, that was the one that I did. Oh, you know I saw that one. i got to tell you real quick, sorry to interrupt. Steven, that was game seven of the Blackhawks, right? And mm-hmm. that that painting you made of Brower is just unbelievable. So <laughs> well you. done, sir. I appreciate that. And that's one of the things that I've wanted to uh, capture in in my paintings is not just the player, but a moment or an emotion and the ones that, that really uh, – I think that that resonate with the audience are the ones that 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 do call forth that emotion and his game his celebration of that game seven goal against Chicago I mean that's when that happened um, I knew that yeah that's the one that needs to be painted for you know the next upcoming game and and I was I was just so delighted to be able to have that opportunity to do that well yeah no you nailed it because you you captured that moment another one that I saw that uh that you're working on, I, I think you may be done. I'm not sure, but the Ryan Reeves blowing the kiss. That's a, another one. <laughs> I mean, talk about a moment. You, you captured that moment. Um, that was all the, the talk around the country for a couple of days there, the kiss, you know? So um, I, I love that whole mentality of capturing that moment. And it really takes me back to, you know, the memory of watching that happen live and watching that Brower goal live. So you're capturing all of that in a, in a, in a very cool sort of format that uh, I, for one, am not used to seeing anything along those lines. So uh, very impressed. I appreciate that. And I also want to give a shout out to 
the people that make it possible. I mean, not just the players, but the photographers in that Billy Hurst is a very talented photographer and he does blues games. He does Cardinals games. He does, he does a number of, of other things, but he's a local photographer and you can check him out on Instagram and, um, and on uh, Facebook. And he and I connected before the series and we connected earlier this year through a mutual friend. And it's funny, Billy and I were from the same kind of era in that we collected baseball cards around the same time. And so we have uh, similar sensibilities and like how we like to compose uh, our, our pieces and that he and I, we just mesh so well. And right after that game, he messaged me, you know, with his, uh, with the Brower shot, because that was his image that he took the photo of that, that celebration. He goes, I can't wait to see you paint this one. And that's been really, really cool that, that, uh, you know, I'm, I feel humbled by it and that I know that I couldn't do my work without his work. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that, uh, as well. And it's like, uh, it's just, it, it's just really cool to work with a, a lot of different, uh, a really good and talented people in this whole process. Yeah. And that, that collaborative effort and that charitable aspect, and that's something that with this show, we, you and I have talked about it before and that I'm just big on that, on, on doing what we can. And, and I want to, at this point, take a, a moment to thank a couple sponsors and Dr. Mark Holland, who's been a, a friend of mine since kindergarten, so we've been friends forever, he's very much charity-minded and always does things to help the community, and uh, whether it be a toy drive for the Marine Corps or whether it be um, just donating things to the needy, just, just very charity-minded. And I think that's you get a lot of that in St. Louis with the efforts that the Blues organization's making, with the effort that you're putting into it. Um, it's just St. Louis has always been one of these places where it's always on the top of charitable giving. And so, you know, I, I can't thank Dr. Holland enough one for sponsoring this show. He's been the longest running sponsor for this podcast and just all the work he does in the community. So if anybody's in need of that adjustment or, you know, focused on your spinal health, uh, Dr. Mark Holland at Cairo and rehab.com or mystlchiropractor.com. You can find him. Great guy, very health conscious. Also want to thank, this is this is an organization that's near and dear to Jimmy's heart, Dale's Music. And Greg over at Dale's has been great uh, just to the community all these years. Just music. We we, we talk about the St. Louis blues and this, this history of blues music in St. Louis. And we want to definitely see that continued to have these great musicians that come out. And and I think Greg over at Dale's in North St. Louis County has done a great job of providing those lessons and providing that foundation for his students. And, Jimmy, you taught over there for how many years? Oh, boy. I taught there for probably about six, six or seven years. But before I taught there, I was a student there. And I'm 39 years old now, and I literally started guitar lessons at Dale's Music 30 years ago this year. And you know what? Greg uh, over at Dale's was there 30 years ago, and he's there now. Um, he's like a brother to me, and I can't say enough great things about what he is doing. Um, and just him personally, he's a fantastic guy. But like you said, he's, uh, it, it is a passion of him to provide not only you know quality instruments, quality uh, equipment, to people throughout the St. Louis area, but that education. And so it was instilled in me by uh, a great guitar teacher named Mike Franzel, who taught me for a number of years. And then when Mike left Dales, 
uh, when I was 16 years old, he said, Jimmy, you're ready to take over for me. And I took over for him. And I, I started teaching there until I was about, oh, 23 or so when I kind of transitioned full-time into radio at that point. And, uh, and that was some of the most rewarding times of my life, being able to share my love of music with all these awesome students, young and old. And I know that Greg and his super awesome, you know, staff of teachers over there are doing the same thing now. And uh, I just cannot say enough great things about it over there. Yeah, now is, Bre- is Greg a hardcore blues fan as well? Uh, no, you talking the hockey team or the music? Yeah, hockey team. <laughs> okay, no, just, just be clear. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think Greg is like everyone else in St. Louis, where I, I think he's getting more and more on board this year um, with the success uh, of the team. And so uh, I see him bouncing a few messages out on Facebook. I think he's into it a little bit this year. And uh, how could you not? It, it's just it's sweeping the town. And... Um, you know, that's the thing. You're, you're going to find some elitists in the hockey world that, oh, well, where were you when the Blues were having bad seasons? You know, how can you be a fan now? You weren't a fan then. I don't care what brings a fan to the table. I hope this whole experience with the playoffs brings so many new um, fans to the table and uh, so they can enjoy what I've enjoyed my entire life. And uh, But I think Greg is absolutely a, a big fan of the hockey team. And the blues music, and he can play the heck out of it, too. He's a heck of a guitar player. Fantastic. And just looking at it, I mean, I didn't start watching hockey. I remember the first time I ever recall seeing hockey. It was at, I think it was at my uncle's house or my grandparents' house on some kind of holiday when I was four or five, something around then. And my cousin put the blues game on, and I didn't, I wanted nothing you know, no part of it. It was, I mean, put on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and uh, my cousin's like, yeah, you know, we're going to watch hockey. And so, yeah, I didn't, I was never a hockey fan growing up. And it wasn't until I listened to a lot of talk radio in, in high school. And it wasn't until, uh, what year, I think it was 1989. It was, it was an 86 goal season of Brett Hull. And, and just listening to the games on the radio. And, and now I think I love listening to Kelly Chase and Chris Kerber. Uh, I think I prefer the radio over anything else. But I think that was a year it was like, wow, this hockey thing is this is kind of cool. So I'm 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 not someone that that played or that started watching it as early as you, Jimmy. But it was you know something that through the years I I mean I find myself regular season listening to a lot of games and now the playoffs just you know not wanting to miss a game. So that that's my story. And I know Stephen, when did you? At what point did you get involved and and start? watching hockey and following it so i think seriously not until uh this last year or so and but i think that uh, again growing up in the south my exposure to hockey was through video games i had blades of steel on the nintendo blades of steel <laughs> shing, shing. you know I, uh, and we played that uh back in the day and then i was telling jimmy before we started that you know one of my friends he got the nhl series on the genesis and he would always pick the red wings and be bob, bob probert and then beat the crap out of everyone um you know and uh and then so uh then later on i think it wasn't 
you know, I, I lived in New Orleans for a while. There was a, a minor league team down there, and I had a, a really good friend of mine, Joseph Boyden, who now is a famous Canadian author. He was he was a big uh, Maple Leafs fan, bless his heart. And um, he uh, <laughs> he's from Toronto, and he was like, "Hey, you know, let's 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 go see a hockey game," you know. And uh, and we did, and and it was great, and it was so funny because I mean, in New Orleans and hockey, it's you know we would have fights during the game, and the fights actually had corporate sponsors. You know, it was like this fight brought to you by Hibernia Bank, and then they would replay it on the scoreboard. Um, you know, and it, and it's like it, I tell people that for me. Um, Less so now, but starting out watching hockey, it's kind of like watching Game of Thrones and that I'm like, oh, my God, this is absolutely incredible. I have no idea what's happening. So, <laughs> Well, and I, I think we're, we're finding a little bit of that. I'm sure you guys heard the story um, a couple of weeks ago about the, uh, the gentleman on Twitter mm-hmm. who discovered <laughs> hockey for the first time uh, while watching the Blues. He was, he was looking for the Cardinals game on Fox Sports Midwest. And he stumbles on the Blues playoff game, and the guy's hooked within seconds. Um, that's the thing; it's just like you need that initial exposure to it. And uh, you know, maybe it's not for everybody, but I think a lot of folks, if if they gave it a shot, especially seeing it live, like going to uh, Scott Trade watching a game live, it's really hard to not get hooked because no one could ever say that it's a slow game. I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan, like massive baseball fan as well, but baseball is very, very slow. I mean, and you know that. I don't have to, you know, explain how that's the case, but in hockey, no one could suggest it's slow. No one could suggest it's not action-packed, hard-hitting. Uh, I mean, all of the above, dramatic, and it's it's just easy to get sucked in. Um, and I was fortunate. I grew up in a family that um, – that loved hockey. My, they didn't play. I mean, they played like my older brothers played street hockey or roller hockey and all that stuff, but they, they never played ice hockey, but my dad was a big fan. So any game that was televised back then was on TV. And so I grew up watching, you know, Brian Sutter and Bernie Federko. And, and I distinctly remember in the mid eighties, you know, pretending that I was a guy named Tony McKegney, who is not someone that most people know. It's just, but that's who I identified with at the time. When Brett Hall came to town, he turned the city on its ear as it pertains to hockey. And like you were saying earlier, Ken, that, that big season, that 86-goal season, but even it was the year before that, he had 72 goals. And people are like, what in the heck is going on here? Because, you know, the Blues have had some successful teams before, and they were always in the playoffs, but they've never had someone perform at such a high level to where it was, you know, getting all this national attention. I mean, no one scores 72 or 86 goals except Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or those guys. I mean, so really instantly, by surprise, because we did not know that Brett Hull was capable of that when we pulled off the trade with Calgary Flames. We knew he was going to be a talented kid. But when someone starts doing that, I mean, the whole country took notice of Brett Hull. When the whole country takes notice, the whole city certainly takes notice. And immediately you're selling thousands upon thousands of number 16 jerseys and every kid in town is signing up to play hockey and i mean brett hull absolutely saved hockey in st louis and made it a huge huge thing so we have a lot of uh gratitude towards brett here and it's great that he's back with the team on on the administrative level when they're doing this because it was sad to see him go and then he wins a cup in dallas which was great but it's good to see him be a part of that organization. If, if, you know, this is the year that we get that cup, that he is 
plays some role. So I mean, that's that's great to see. Oh, I, I agree. No, and I I love it. He's out in the community and just smiling and having a good time like he always did as a player, and it's just awesome having him back. I agree. Now, Stephen, have you had a chance to paint any of the Hall of Famers, or have you just been focused on the playoff run at this point? Yeah, for Casino Night, actually, I did a, a piece of our Hall of Famers. They did one with Bernie, Brett, and Al, and they all autographed it, and they, they sold it off to raise funds for uh, for Blues for Kids. Um, yeah, and but it's so interesting in that you know what people want now though they want the the current players they want uh, uh, they want uh, they want Reeves more than they want Hull, um, which I, I get that because that's you know that's what's top of mind. Um, but at the same time, it's that you know I also I want to pay tribute to the guys that came before, and I know that that's going to be a big part of next season going into it because it's going to be the 50th anniversary of the franchise being in St. Louis. And I I did a big painting, a big 40 by 60 painting of the Blue Note that they're going to be showcasing all next season, and when they bring in different alumni, they're going to have them all autograph it, and um, and uh, as they name their top 50 Blues players of all times, and and I don't I don't know exactly how many people will wind up uh, autographing it, but I know it's going to have a ton of autographs on it ultimately and in there i think right now at least and there's plenty of time beforehand for them to change their mind but the idea is that they'll autograph it off leading up to the winter classic in january which i'm really excited about as well that's that's going to be amazing yeah definitely so yeah yeah winter classic what do you think about that outdoor game i mean we haven't had that it's been really popular in the league it's been a national national thing how are you feeling about that jimmy have they sold tickets did you buy some already you know what? I, I don't think the tickets are for sale necessarily yet. So what they've done is season ticket holders are getting priority on buying the tickets. So however that works, and I'm not a season ticket holder yet. That is something I aspire to be uh, one day. I go to plenty of games, but just not season tickets yet. Um, but rest assured, no matter what, I will be there. All right? Because one mentality that's always confused me, not that I have the means to do this all the time, because I don't, but when people say, oh, you can't go to that, it's sold out. Nothing is ever sold out, all right? So there's always a way to pull something off. Um, and so sold out or not sold out, I am going to be at Bush Stadium without a doubt because I wouldn't miss this for anything. And, you know, when you look at it, like Stephen was saying, the 50th anniversary of the franchise, um, a deep run in the playoffs this year, the Winter Classic. I mean, everything is coming together all at the same time and you know i'm not saying it's fate i don't know but i really just have a very very strong feeling that this could be the year it's just like all the stars are aligned so yeah let's add a cup going into our 50th year and have the winter classic and i and and just sit at the top of the league as the elite club um for this you know coming year i think it's just fantastic so i'm excited well i'm going to correct you all the stars weren't aligned because the dallas stars fortunately <laughs> weren't aligned and uh but the blues were the better team the blues dominated that they got into their head but uh, <laughs> that's that's a good thing because they're a good team they played well this year but uh yeah the, the blues played a little better when it was all said and done you know and, and i to, agree to jimmy's point about you know the stars being aligned um puns aside is that uh, in, in, in Jimmy saying that, it made me think of another situation where I've been around in terms of how a sports team can help heal a community is when the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl following Katrina. And I was no longer living in New Orleans when they won it. But, you know, I 
man, I felt that win when they did. And talking with my friends and extended family who were still down there and how much that did for uh, healing and celebration. And man, I, I hope that, that that would be really great and something that, that St. Louis, you know, could really use right now. Um, and I think that would be, that would be just a really, really great, uh, vibe just to be, uh, uh, carried away by. Could not agree more No, And especially, you know, one of those things hurting the city, like you'd mentioned earlier, the Rams leaving town, you know, when the Rams announced that they were leaving that night was, um, there was a blues game and mayor Slay was out there. And, um, but Tom Stillman, the, uh, the owner of the blues, and Bill DeWitt the third, um, part of the ownership group of the Cardinals, they were there and they dropped the ceremonial first, you know, puck to kind of show the solidarity between the Cardinals and the Blues and the St. Louis sports community. And I think that was a really, really big deal. And um everyone really uh got kicked in the gut by Stan Kroenke and and the Rams decision to leave town. And I really think that um you know, that that day was kind of the start of something amazing. And uh to see the Blues and the Cardinals. I mean, they have Blues night at the Cardinals game. They have Cardinals night at the Blues game. When Yadier Molina does not have a game uh, with the Cardinals, he is at the at Scott Trade cheering on the Blues. He is a massive hockey fan, um, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, Puerto Rico, hockey is not in Puerto Rico. So, But, <laughs> but like I said earlier, you come to town, and, and especially as an athlete like Yadier, you get so sucked in because you can tell that these guys are just giving it their all every night. You just have to have great admiration for that. And so all the Cardinals, they become fans of the Blues and vice versa. And it's this really cool sort of cross, you know, community of, of awesome athletes. And, um, and you know, Ken Hitchcock put it best in his press conference yesterday, I guess it was a couple of days ago, where he said, we want to win this for the city. It's for the city. It's not just for the 20-something players in the club. He said, we really want to do this for our city. And, I mean, Hitch is kind of a polarizing figure, but that's something we can all kind of agree and rally behind that, I mean, no matter what you think of Hitch, when you hear that come out of his mouth, that his players are playing for the city, I mean, you just got to love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's just so good to see that civic pride. And you see a lot of guys that um... – that after they retire, I mean, they're from Canada, but, but they've embraced the city. They stick around or they come back. So, so that's really good to see. One thing that I'm excited with what Steven's doing, and it's a little selfish one for being someone who is, uh, who enjoys art and, and being from, I mean, St. Louis is very much a blue collar town, a great sports town, but as far as the arts, you know, maybe not as, um, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for, Stephen? You're better with words than me. I think they appreciate art, but it's not something that's in the forefront. Yeah, of, maybe not as art conscious. Yeah, art conscious, you know, being blue collar. But I'm hoping that, and selfishly, because my friend's here and he's doing great work, that this will kind of bridge the gap. And with some of these memories and how he's painting them 3D and just really cool and this stellar color and all that, that maybe people will start embracing art more because it's it's now related to something you know to sports whether it be cardinals or blues so so i'm hoping that that kind of bridges the gap a little bit and kind of kind of helps um i guess create some of that appreciation or or some of just just being around it right and and i've talked about i've talked about it here before but you know that so much of why i paint 
uh, in the way that I do and the colors that I use, you know, they're very vibrant and they tap into a childlike kind of awe. It is to capture that feeling of joy. And there's a whole lot of joy right now, uh, with the blues (laughs) and, um, and, and it's just, it's a privilege to be able to do it and to be working so closely with the franchise, uh, into, you know, it's not just, uh, fan art that I'm making because, Oh, Hey, I like the blues and I want to paint this, but it's, it's going to a greater good. It's helping raise money for, you know, blues for kids. And, um, and to know that, you know, the pieces that I'm doing, that they're, they're being autographed by the guys and, you know, that's, that's, then they're promoting it and they're promoting me. And I, I think this goes back to, you know, what Jimmy was talking about earlier and what you were saying, Ken, just that with the blues, the thing that they've done so right and that Cronky wanted no part of was to embed themselves within the community or to acknowledge how important the community is in reaching out to people. And I mean, shoot, we're even, you know, right now, um, the blues, they even, they put out a video of, uh, of, Hey Canada, you know, you guys don't have any, uh, teams in the, in the playoffs right now, come root for the blues. Here are the reasons why, but it's just, there's just such a, a vibe of inclusion with, the blues that was so absent with the Rams, the Rams. I mean, they, they knew that they wanted out of here. You know, it's like, we've, we've got a mistress out on the West coast and, you know, we're going to ride, you know, until this relationship is over. And, you know, when, when the window is open, we're, we're out the door, um, to totally mix metaphors there. But, um, but it's that, uh, with the blues, it's just their investment in the community and the people here is just really second to none. And I've just, I'm very grateful for, for the opportunities they've allowed me and to work with them. And they're just, they're just really a, a class act. Definitely. And, and well I know Jimmy has that. Uh, so Stephen, are you familiar with Roar Bacon? Oh yeah. 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 So that is the Mano family essentially there. Uh, somebody <laughs> says Roar Bacon. How, how'd that start, Jimmy? You know the story better than I. Oh yeah. No, it was great. Um, the blues were playing a big game and they were behind. I want to say they were trailing by maybe two goals in the third period um, came back to not only tie the game, but win the game. Uh, and then the young lady who's uh, in charge of social media for the Blues, I can't uh, can't remember her name, though I'd love to give her credit right now, is um, she had tweeted out, she intended to tweet out, the Blues roar back and defeat whatever team. I can't remember. It may have been the Hawks. It was the Hawks. Um, but, yeah, okay, very good. She meant to, to tweet they roar back. Something wonky happened with autocorrect, and it turned into roar bacon. Now, within seconds after she posts this, uh, you know, Blues fans on Twitter are starting to, like, retweet it and, and just add the hashtag into hashtag roar bacon. And it instantly caught on um, to the point where she even said, she was like, well, I could have gone back and edited my post and fixed my error, but at this point – it was already taken off. So, you know, sometimes the best things, especially like in social media like that, is you, you don't really know it's going to truly take off. And the things you plan to take off are never going to do it. But these organic things that just kind of happen um, tend to have, you know, kind of you get the most mileage out of them. Um, so hashtag Roar Bacon became a thing in a matter of minutes. Now, I remember, like, I, I got on Twitter maybe half an hour after the game, whatever it was. And I'm looking at what's trending, and I'm like, what in the heck is hashtag Roar Bacon? And then I, I, I figure it out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Well, David Backus, 
who is uh, just a great guy, and his his wife and and their little darling child is you know just great family. Um, but they're friends with my wife. She's their photographer, and and um, she gets to spend a lot of time with them. Well, the Bacchus is being tremendous animal lovers that they are. They have a fantastic um, charity, uh, Athletes for Animals, that do a lot of great work for, for animals. Um, but nevertheless, he remembered, because he had met before, our pet pig, Piggy Smalls. And so on, you know, to ride the wave of this war bacon, he calls my wife and he says, hey, um, do you think you can bring Piggy Smalls up to blues practice? <laughs> I want to bring them in and meet the players with this whole roar bacon thing. I think the the guys will get a big kick out of it. And uh, Kelly was like, yeah, sure. So brings the pig up to the ice rink. David Backus comes out to the car, lifts the pig up because the pig will not go on a leash for anything. If you want this pig to go anywhere, you're going to carry him. And this is a 55, 60-pound pig now. So, um, so he scoops up the pig, brings him into the locker room, um, and everyone goes crazy. I mean, the players don't know what the hell's going on. They think it's awesome. The reporters are in there. They think it's great. So everyone's getting video um, and pictures of, of what's happening. Thing is, you know, once you set Piggy down, he's like, what in the hell is going on here? So Piggy Smalls, he runs into Coach Hitchcock's office and poops on the floor, which is <laughs> like poetic justice. I mean, nothing is, is better. Uh, you know, because those players will tell you, Coach Hitch, uh, he, he's, he's not a piece of cake to play for. He, he's hard to play for. So to have a pig come into his office, take a crap on his floor, I mean, it was perfect. So the players loved it. But then it just took off. Again, you don't know what's going to take off because the second wave of this war bacon story was the fact that David Beck has brought a pig into the locker room and poops all over the place. And now that's national news. <laughs> it was all over the place. And, uh, and they make T-shirts with, you know, the pig image on there. And, and they keep, you know, they've tweeted out the image of David holding our pig many, many times over the months. And uh, I'd like to think that maybe, just maybe, if the Blues win the cup, they'll let Piggy Smalls eat his little pig food out of the cup. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> that would be fantastic. We'll have to, have oh, to yeah. capture that, get some video or something. That, yeah, that's a great story. Uh you know, speaking back, I'm going to go to a few more sponsors, but, um, you know, looking at, I was kind of hoping, I mean, San Jose, I think that's, they've had our number in past years. They've, you know, it's, they've knocked us out early. We've knocked them out a few times. There's, I don't, I wouldn't say a bit of a, a rivalry, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's that history there, which I think it's going to make it a great series. They're, they're a good team. Did you, uh, did you guys have any preference, uh, to, to who the Blues are going to play? I mean, I was, I was kind of hoping Nashville, cause I know a lot of friends down there and you know, Jimmy, you know, Chris Blair, he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's jumped on board. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's now a Preds fan and not a Blues fan, but, uh, <laughs> I was kind of with, with all the people I know in Nashville, they've really embraced hockey. And uh, pretty new team down there, and and so it's pretty exciting for them. And uh, I was thinking, hey, that would be pretty good. But unfortunately, they you know they got knocked out by the sh- by the Sharks. So the Blues, um, you know, the the Blues move on. That the uh, Predators don't. But uh, you know, regardless of that, Listening Room Cafe. And I don't know if you've been down there or not, but uh, great venue that Chris has. I know there are times where he's you know, had to set something up and, and put on a Blues or Cardinals game because he is, you know, he is very much, you know, still in love with the city of St. Louis. Um, great venue. I've heard so much great music down there. These these wonderful songwriters will have to, uh, at some point, 
have to have to see about featuring some of Steven's art down there in Music City. The Listening Room Cafe, if anybody's going down to Nashville, I definitely recommend it. Uh, you will definitely hear some great music and uh, be surprised that uh, that's the writers of the songs that you're hearing, of a lot of the hit songs. And then uh, my buddy Kevin Blumenkamp, he, uh, great drawer, fine art, welder, and uh, I'll have to ask him if he's on board with the blues and he's going to have to talk to him about making some kind of a necklace or something because the guy's, the guy's art's amazing. Uh, what he does, I'm so blessed to know so many wonderful people, great artists. Jimmy, it's great having you on the show. And, and Kevin's somebody who's just, you know, we may have to, not for Piggy Smalls, but for steaks or whatnot, have to uh, maybe have him create a, a, a St. Louis Blues logo branding iron. So then when, uh, yeah, maybe give the, well, I don't know, is David Backus, is he a vegetarian or not? I'm sure with needing the protein, he probably has a good steak every now and then, correct? Yeah, you know what, um, I don't want to say for sure. I don't know for sure if he is a vegetarian or not. Um, I know their heart is very much, I think his wife is actually. We've had her over. Uh, she was on my wife's podcast before so i think she might be but i don't know that he is i don't know that he'd pass up a good steak but i know their heart is very much in in to animals but i don't know if he could pass up a steak but i like the branding iron idea i think that would be great as long as you keep it away from piggy definitely definitely so maybe for the mano family well i'll talk to kevin about that and see if he can do that but kevin uh i'll have kevin's information on the uh on the show page so on soundcloud everyone can find that click a link to him i'll have a link to steven I'll uh, I'll put a link for you uh, for you Jimmy so people can check out you and uh, check out Kelly's show as well. Um, but yeah, I mean I've been very fortunate to know a lot of good people and some of who have uh, have uh, sponsored this show, so have supported that, and I really really appreciate that. So back to the blues, and um, I mean, what do you guys think? What any predictions for this year? I mean, what do you think this next series with the Stars is gonna is gonna hold? What can we expect from that? Oh, the sharks! We already took out the stars. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, flexing my my uh, my hockey knowledge already. Well, I mean, I know that. Um, so since I when I get into something, I immerse myself in it. You know, it's not like I'm just willy nilly and I'm like, yeah, I love you know Blatty Tatablinko. You know, it's like no, it's like I, I want to know what I'm talking about. Um, so as soon as I um, I got connected with the Blues and I knew that I was going to be doing work with them earlier in the year, I immediately subscribed to NHL TV and I started watching the old blues games and, uh, for whoever we've been playing now in the playoffs, I've been watching all of the, our previous games. And, you know, you ask earlier, who would you rather played the Preds or the Sharks? I'm like, well, we, we pretty much had the Preds number and the Sharks has got, they, they've got ours. Um, even though it looked, you know, we played them physically. I, the game that I watched of us playing the Sharks, the first one this year, I do believe Ryan Reeves actually killed a man in that game. Um, <laughs> he knocked out Tennyson. Oh my word. Um, but I, I think it's going to be really interesting because I think also in that game, we had Elliot and Allen playing goal. Elliot is in a different place right now. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I can't wait for it. You know, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a hell of a series. No, I, I agree. I, I would have preferred the Predators. Um, I think we do have their number. Um, I think it would have been uh, cool to have, you know, Nashville being very close driving-wise. It would it, have been a, a cool situation, a cool little rivalry. I, I could have imagined plenty of St. Louis fans driving to Nashville and Nashville fans driving to St. Louis for it. So that would have been exciting. Um, however, the Sharks have always scared me. 
I do think the Blues are going to take it. I think it's going to be a long series, six or seven, but I think the Blues will, will definitely uh, prevail. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the Sharks, uh, you know, when we played them this year, we've never had our full squad. So I know we missed a game um, where uh, Petro was out for a game. Alex Petrangelo, he, he missed a game. I think Alex Steen missed a game against uh, uh, the Sharks. And so now that everyone is healthy or as healthy as you can be this time of year, because I promise you they're all hurting very badly, um, I think uh, you're going to see the, the full, you know, kind of complement of what we can do to that team. And uh, But it, it won't be easy. They have some incredible players. Uh, Joe Thornton is someone who has been a thorn in our side um, for a long, long time. A lot of Ultra years, talented. Yeah. yeah, no, he's an older guy. I know he's got to be uh, mid to upper 30s by now, but uh, just tenacious and, um, you know, has tremendous skill, but also, you know, will get real, real, you know, kind of dirty and nasty. So I, I imagine um, just like – you know, you've seen Backus and Jonathan Taves, you know, button heads that first series and, and, and David Backus and Jamie Benn. You're going to see a lot of David Backus and Joe Thornton in this series, I think. And uh, they're used to that because they've, they've battled each other now for years and years. And it's always um, tough and it's always entertaining. The Sharks um, have some great players, Logan Couture, um, a number of others. They have um, – uh, defenseman Brent Burns, who is just absolutely on fire. That's someone that, uh, you know, we we have to try our best to contain. But if you look at all the playoffs so far, the folks that we've contained, really, relatively speaking, we've contained, you know, Taves and Patrick uh, Kane. And uh, Dallas, we've, we've contained Jamie Benn and, and Spezza for the most part. And obviously Tyler, Tyler Seguin was out for the series, so that was to our benefit. But the Sharks have some players that we have to uh, contain, and I think uh, we have a really, really strong defensive core. I think uh, players like Alex Steen, these really defensive-minded forwards, you have Steen, you have Paul Stasny, who's playing out of his mind. I, I was happy to see Stasny get a, a goal in uh, one of the last couple of games um, because he's not getting a lot of scoring love necessarily because his job is to battle like the top guys. Uh, on the other team and really uh, play defensive-minded game and doesn't get a lot of, uh, you know, glory uh, on the score sheet, but it's so vital. And that's what's been so impressive about us is just we've kept these teams down to only scoring, you know, a goal or two a game, and these are the best teams in the league. And that's, uh, you know, just not enough great things to say. So I think when it's all said and done with the physical game that we bring and, and the way we've been shutting people down, I think it's going to go a long series, but it's going to go to lose way. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that game, and uh, I know Steven's going to be. You're going to be this series. Will you be back down there uh, painting live? Yeah, tomorrow night I'm going to be working on a Brian Elliott piece, and then on the next game on Tuesday night I will be painting Ryan Reeves blowing a kiss. Nice, nice. So yeah, so so everyone listening to this show who's going to be down there, uh, definitely go check out Steven painting live because it's it's amazing to see him work. And uh, you can see him putting those finishing touches on pieces, embellishing other pieces. He just, he's just all across the board. So it's uh, say hello to him. You know, tell him you you heard him on the podcast. Um, you know, one thing I want to do a tribute that that I want to make. So my um, my uncle John Lair, he was a huge hockey fan. He played hockey. Uh, he was a big guy. So this is one of my dad's best friends, and I, I you know knew him you know all these years. You know, it was my uncle John, and he was. 
you know, later in life, we'd play, Stephen talked about playing the NHL games on, on Sega. So he and I, you know, would play NHL 93. I think that was the last year, maybe 94 was the last year of fighting. So he would always, you know, have, he, he loved to instigate the fights and everything on the game. And I, I think in real life as well, when he was on the ice, but he, uh, he played goalie and, uh, you know, this big, big dude. And, you know, he's pretty agile for being as big as he was. But uh, his last days on this earth were spent on the ice. And uh, and he's a guy that was just so into hockey. And it, I just think of, about the Blues winning the Cup, I just you, you know, or just going this far in the playoffs. I think of him. And uh, I think he would really be enjoying this run. And I just imagine what he would have to say about it. So I just – you know, I think it's fitting to just go out and, you know, I just tribute to him. Love the guy. He was, you know, a lot of what I learned about hockey and the appreciation of hockey and watching playoffs was was with, with him. On that note, I mean, what do you guys, just to give you a plug, Jimmy, what, what do you have coming up that, that you want to tell the audience? I know Kelly has the Kelly Mano Show, which you can find online. Uh, anything else you want to plug? How, how can they find out about you or interact with you with social media-wise? You know what? I think the best way um, with me is just find me on Facebook. It's Jimmy Mano, M-A-N-N-O. Um, and, yeah, no, I try to keep things very light and fun. I tend to uh, do a lot of social media during Blues games, uh, and it, it tends to get pretty uh, pretty interesting. We've been doing the Facebook Live thing, so I've, I've been doing little challenges. So uh, when the game, when first period ends and we go to intermission and there's 18 minutes, is that enough time for me to drive to shop and save and buy some donuts and make it back by the start of the second period? And I have found out I, I, I made it with about 30 seconds to spare. And so, no, there are little fun things like that, but I, I always give my thoughts on, on the team and, and plenty of other things on there. Um, also involved in the local music scene. I play a lot of music uh, myself. My current uh, project that I am doing the most of is a duo uh, with my buddy Brad Carlson. It's called Musicology. So uh, we can be found on Facebook, Musicology STL, playing uh, several times a month throughout the uh, the area. And then uh, i got to give a quick shout-out to my boys in Clockwork, Ken, a band near and dear to your heart. Yes. Obviously, a, yeah, a local band, um, young guys, tremendously talented, performed last year at Blue Fest and, and all across the country as they tour all over the place. Um, they have some very, very exciting news coming uh, within the next, oh, I'd say about a week or so um, that everyone kind of keep their eyes peeled for. And uh, they are on Facebook at Clockwork St. Louis. And I know and obviously that- Ken, I, yeah, I want to mention Ken did a hell of a job with their first uh, real music video. It's called uh, All Right. And I don't know how many views we're up to now on that, Ken, but... Uh, uh, several, several thousand on that one. I believe. Yeah, I think it was last I checked. I think it was. It's it's close to twelve thousand. So I'll post a link to that as well, since you mentioned it. But yeah, that was a, that's a fun project, and I know I know the boys are big blues fans, and uh, yeah, at some point I, I I mean we have to see them out there on social media doing something blues related. I know they're they're uh, they've got some like you said the news, so they probably don't have time right now. But uh, yeah, definitely a band to check out. Love those guys and uh, go clockwork, go blues, Steven. So you're going to be down at the, uh, you'll be down at the arena during all the festivities and when yeah. everything's happening. What else is going on with you? So I'll be down at the arena right outside gate one fourteen. Swing by, say hi. I'll even give you a free print of the blue note signed by me if you want to come by. 
Um, and also just check out stevenwalden.com. I'm really active on social media. I like to post updates while I'm painting at the game. So Instagram at Stephen Walden, S-T-E-V-E-N-W-A-L-D-E-N. Same thing on Twitter at Stephen Walden and on Facebook. You can friend me and also look at my Facebook page, Stephen Walden Art, which is just strictly just art. But if you want to friend me and, and look at all the other crap that I like to post, then by all means, add me there. And I'll post your I'll post your website link on the on the show page, and uh, you can find me just Ken Calcaterra. There's not too many of me out there, um, but uh, just Instagram. Just type in my name, Facebook. Uh, Ken Calcaterra, visual storyteller. I have you know, of course, everybody knows many projects I'm trying to put together. But yeah, I would love to hear what everyone thinks of the show, and uh, thank you all for listening. And fellas, thank you for being a part of this. This was a lot of fun. I can't believe. This hour went by so quickly. Let's go blues. Yeah, my pleasure. Go blues. That's something I could talk about until I'm blue in the face, no pun intended. I <laughs> just love it. So thank you for putting this together, Ken. It was uh, definitely my pleasure to uh, be a part of it. Thanks for being here, and we'll give an update, and we'll see what happens in the next uh, couple weeks. And uh, hopefully hopefully we'll have some photos of Piggy Smalls eating out of that cup. <laughs> no, you know it. <laughs>